Thanks for joining us and supporting Vikido Fitness. We ask for your continued support by becoming an It's All About Health and Fitness premium member. Go to www.vikidofitness.com forward slash join. Again, that's www.vikidofitness.com forward slash join and register for a $6 monthly subscription. And remember, keep listening, sharing, and checking us out. The views and opinions expressed are for general informational purposes only. Consult with your physician or medical health care provider for medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Today, we talk about research articles and hot topics. Our topic today is, what's new? Hot topics number 52. The cancer death rate in the U.S. sees sharpest one-year drop. According to the research studies, drinking tea is tied to better heart health. Let's take the seven-day no-added-sugar challenge. Let's make 2020 the year of less sugar. The American Heart Association recommends limiting added sugars for women, six teaspoons or 25 grams per day, for men, nine teaspoons or 38 grams per day. All this and more on It's All About Health and Fitness. Welcome to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. This program is brought to you by Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum. Now, here's your host, Vicki Doe and D. Banks-Bright. I'm Dr. Vicki Haywood-Doe, and with me is the one and only Dr. Virginia D. Banks, Bright. Vicki, I'm glad to be back together again. Back together, together again. again. Together again. <laughs> yeah. And a new year. A new year. Oh, yeah. my New God. decade. New decade. Mm-hmm. Isn't that something? New decade, yeah. New decade. Yep. Sunshine outside. Yes, yeah, 50-some degrees. I know. Who doesn't believe in global warming? I know. In in January. I'm afraid that the trees and the leaves and the animals and everybody's going to be all confused by this. Because, you know, know, we had a 70 degrees last weekend. I know. Southern Ohio was 70. I think when I left here, it was like 68 or something like that. Buds on the trees and the bears going to be coming out of the caves. Yeah, but here's my problem. Don't be having, I got things planned. Don't be having winter in May, June. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Now, that's a good point. I got things planned. That's a good point, right. Now, don't be that confused. Monsoons in April. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You know? Yeah, let's not have that. Let's not have that. We're supposed to get back cold again, so we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. I don't really mind this little interlude. It kind of gives you a break. I you know. know. A, there's nothing like, I remember when living in, in Minnesota where we had 30 straight days of below zero. That mm. gets old. I know. Fast. It does. It just, it wears on your mind, not only your body, but it just wears on your mind to and come out with that kind of cold. You gotta stay inside all yeah, the time. Yeah, you can't go outside. When you go outside, you gotta look like, you know, <laughs> a native Alaskan. They don't call Eskimo them Eskimos anymore. anymore. Native know. Alaskan. Native so, Alaskan. Yeah. yeah. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. But we're here. We're here. And it is the new year. And today we talk about research articles and hot topics that we think are worth looking at and talking about. And our topic today is what's new, hot topics number 52. 
And yes, this is our first show for the new year, 2020. And like Dee said, the new decade. Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. And we can't wait to get it rocking and rolling. I love the new year. And I love the new year because you get a chance to start a new page of your life. You revisit your goals and your plans and you start taking action. Mm -hmm. And so we are here on the show and at Vicky Doe Fitness to encourage all of you to take a stand and do all that you can to live a life of health and wellness. We thank you and keep listening to our shows and be inspired to take action. And so we want you to make sure you subscribe to this podcast show. It's all about health and fitness, Vicky Doe Fitness on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and on any of the platforms that you listen to, because when you subscribe, you get notifications when we post a new show. And definitely, you will be the first to know. So make sure you take the time today to subscribe. You can always find us on our website, www.vickidofitness.com, where we have past archives of the show. You just press the red tab, VDF podcast, and you will be able to listen to us there as well. Now, we want to encourage all of you to go to our resources page, www.vickidofitness.com forward slash resources, and there you will find products, services, that will be helpful to you as you embrace your life of health and wellness, most especially starting out this new year. Now, we have a variety of items on our resource list for you to check out and try. Always go and look because there's good sales and discounts for you to enjoy. And some of the products and services that we have, Sun Basket, a healthy meal delivery service, offering organic and sustainable ingredients and easy recipes. And they can be delivered to your door weekly. And for me, we had so many stuff coming weekly that you can go in. And I want to make sure I tell people that you can go in and you can skip some of the wheats, mm -hmm. you know, so you don't have I to receive it. I know how that would it. be backing up. Yeah, yeah, so you won't have to receive it. Hard to eat all that food. Right. Mm -hmm. So you won't have to receive it every week. You can yeah. skip Mm -hmm. And maybe just have it sometimes maybe once a month uh -huh. for that week, uh -huh. you know, or change it up. And mm -hmm. so you can do that. They have delicious recipes each week. You can decide whether you want two recipes or three with your delivery. And they have 12 different healthy types of recipes that you can do. The paleo, the lean and clean, gluten-free. They have Mediterranean, vegetarian and other things for you to pick from. So check out Sun Basket as well. There's Reebok, Spank, Barefoot Yoga, Warby Parker, and others. So we got a lot of stuff on that mm -hmm. um, resources page. But we've just added another company to our list. Oh, wow. And that is Art of Tea. Now, I love Art of Tea. They're very good. The different blends and so forth, the organic and all of that. But the delivery of it, they have cute little tin boxes and, and all that with your tea that can come and be delivered to you. And this is for all of you tea lovers out there. Yes, there's a company called Art of Tea. Y'all know I love tea as I drink my tea right mm -hmm. now, right? <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You are always uh, seeing me with a cup of tea throughout the day. Now, research has shown that tea is good for you. Tea may have the healing properties 
that we need to stay healthy and live longer. And so they got all kinds of wonderful teas. Try their white coconut cream tea. It's delicious. Or better yet, join their Tea of the Month Club. And this is what I like. They have the Tea of the Month Club, and you can discover a new delicious tea every month, and they'll send it to you. Yes, there's nothing like a good cup of tea. So we want all of you guys to check out Art of Tea. You remember that store, Tivana? It's closed. Yes. Tivana, I used to love going in there. Yes, you yes. Know, for all the different types of teas. The different types of teas. Mm-hmm. I bought here, you can see it, where you can seep and stew your mm-hmm. tea, just like a regular coffee you know, remember when we went into Harrods and we there were yes. all those hundreds and hundreds of different types of teas. That's what I was thinking. That you could of. get yes. the loose tea leaves and bring it, put it, bag your own and bring it back for gifts and stuff, mm-hmm. or yourself. Yes, they yeah. they have a lot of good teas. Yeah. There. Oh yeah. yeah, they do. Tea is what's happening. Yeah, and it's like I said, it's healthy. If you want to take a break from drinking coffee, yeah, right. grab a good cup of tea and make sure you go on our resources page and check out mm-hmm. Art of Tea. Mm-hmm. When you check out our resources page, www.vikidofitness.com forward slash resources. Remember, if you use any of the affiliate links on that page to buy any of our products and services, you are supporting us here at Vikido Fitness. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. We want to definitely thank you for your support. Well, D, it is 2020. A new decade, as you said. A new decade. And yes, I'm excited. You know, I'm here back in the trenches. I feel like a older <laughs> 1917. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, all the stuff that we, you know, I was telling my story of, of changing everything to yeah. Windows 10. Yeah. And oh, Lord. Was super duper techie. Ugh, it was something. I had all yeah. my, my tech people here. Mm-hmm. We getting ready. Good. We getting ready. Be on the cutting edge. Be on the cutting edge, mm-hmm. yes. I went down, you know, we haven't talked since I went down to Kwanzaa. Yeah, I saw your things on Facebook. Yeah, we did mm-hmm. the Kwanzaa Columbus 365. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're adding the health and wellness portion to that. Uh-huh. And it's being real receiving this year. Dr. Kelly Curtsy came Good, down. I saw that. Yeah, she came Because I wasn't down. sure whether that was in Columbus or where it was. Yeah, it was okay. in Columbus. Uh-huh. And she came down every evening we did a, this is a healthy minute. I would bring up, you know, who would be doing our healthy minute Mm -hmm. for the night. And she was our first night, Dr. Kelly Kersey. She was talking about mind, body, and spirit and and mindfulness. Gave us some Uh mindful type of exercise, mindful exercise and technique. And so, yes, we had us a good time. Oh, that's great. She's always very good. Yes. Good. So I did that. And then the new year, I kind of hung out with you. Yeah, we had yeah. a nice time that evening. Yes. Yeah, it was yes. fun. That was fun. New but year. It was kind of like, it was so funny. I was watching all of us. So mm-hmm. clock is getting close, getting closer and everybody's having their little munchies and eating and stuff like that. And then it, then it's midnight. Everybody was scrambling to get the heck up out of there. <laughs> I guarantee you, the majority of the people in that room were fast asleep by one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I have never seen food fly so fast. People getting boxes and wrapping this up and tearing yes. putting aluminum foil on yes. this and getting this. And they were out that door. I mean, 12, 15, it was empty pretty much. 12, 15. And so, you know, 
I'm an old school, grew up in the South, so I'm superstitious. I said, mm, at least we're stepping in the door right. at the same time. Right. So I let him go first, right. let Nate go first, exactly. cross over the threshold. Because exactly. I got to keep my good luck I rolling that's through. Real right. I through know and that's, through, right? I know that's real right. <laughs> I know that's real right. Yeah, but we were anxious. You know, we were like trying to hurry up in 12 Everybody midnight. was out of there. It was like 12.01. Let's get take up out of there. And yes. at 1 o'clock, I bet everybody was like. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> Because when we got there, it was past our bedtime. Uh, mine, too. <laughs> I started out sleepy. <laughs> I know, but yeah. that's funny. That's funny how life is, yeah, it and is. it changes. Because, you know, back in the day, Natalie and all Shoot. my kids, your kids, they out there enjoying. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Shoot. And nothing started happening until 11 o'clock. Right. You went out, you went out at 11. Right. Shoot. Shoot. We were trying to get up out of there. <laughs> At 11, we were like, damn, it's still... I know, we kept looking at the clock like, what time is it? We kept looking. It can't be this late. Oh, my God, this is the longest time waiting for midnight. Everybody was doing everything at the party where we were at to stay up. Let's let's do this. Let's watch this. Let's talk about this. Let's do that. Meanwhile, everybody's looking at their watch about 50,000 times. It's not going to get any faster, y'all. You might as well just sit down. It's not going to get here any faster. Yeah, that's something. Yeah, that is something. I mean, it's it's a struggle to yes. stay up that late anymore. I'm a night owl, though, mm-hmm. so I stay up late. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times I can be crawling in the bed about mm-hmm. two or three. Mm-hmm. But I can't, if I do that, I can't be up early no. and stay up no, late, too. They can't, you, can't, you can't do that. Yeah, and, yeah. and back in the day, I used to could do that. You yeah. know, be up early still to go exactly. to work and do this and that. Mm-mm, mm-hmm. Nope. Nope, it's either or. Not even trying. It's either or, mm-hmm. right? Either or. <laughs> but yes, we're back in the swing yeah. of things. Yeah. I know that you are doing a few things too. So yeah. how's your week? So I went to New York. That was New York is always fun. I like to go to New York because I always like to see the Christmas tree. Yeah. And I always like to go to FAO Schwartz. Okay. Uh, which has changed locations now. It's okay. Used to be up there on around 57th Street, but now it's down like Rockefeller Center area. Okay. And saw the tree and. And then went to four different musicals. The first okay. night went to see Ain't Too Proud to Beg, The Story of the Temptations. Yes. Fabulous. Ooh. Then the next day saw two off-Broadway plays. One was called The Mistrial about sexual harassment. Ooh, and then that okay. evening there was another off-Broadway play called The Play That Went Wrong. I laughed two solid hours. What was I it don't called? Know the Play That Went Wrong. Okay, I'm going to have to go. And I have not laughed that much solid two hours of laughing and then Sunday because the plane didn't leave until 8 30 mm-hmm. went to that TKTS place in the middle of Times Square that's where I got the ain't too proud to beg tickets okay but then got tickets for a soldier's play okay that's the new play on Broadway with uh-huh. Blair Underwood and oh, okay. David Allen Greer okay Excellent. It actually had been a movie about 25 or so years ago yes, okay. with some people in it. Adolf Caesar, who's dead. David Allen Greer was in it also. And that was great. And New York is just, you know, it's just so alive. Yes, so. Yes. But, you know, you got to go in to New York mindset that, you know, you might get two drinks a piece and some peanuts and the bill is $80. <laughs> I know. You just got to get your mindset that I you know. just can't get upset. 
Yes. And that you're going to, you know, there's a certain amount of money that you're going to, you're not going to be stupid. Oh, I also went to the Metropolitan, the Museum of Modern Art. Yes. They had an African-American woman artist there that they were featuring, Betty Czar. Okay. And I had actually seen her in person. She's in her late 80s, early 90s. Okay. Had seen her at a museum event in San Francisco. So that was really okay. nice to see that. So yeah, uh-huh. that's that's kind of, uh, you know, and then came on back. But like I said, New York is... Oh, I know. Whew, I don't, you know, I, the thing that I don't understand is people that live there, they love it, but I don't know what do you do to be able to afford to live there? You can't live in New York. I know. And those that commute. lived, yeah, they commute. And those that live there, they got those little teeny little places you that... You can't turn around in Yeah. Them. Little teeny tiny little yeah. places, and they'll walk up four or five flights of steps mm-hmm. just to get that you know, mm-hmm. not to have to pay that kind of rent, which is crazy. But it's an exciting city, it's a wonderful city, something always going on. Mm-hmm. I love theater and music and dance and all that stuff. I went to the restaurant Frankie and Johnny's, which okay. has always been on my bucket list. Steak place, uh, you can get any other kind of food that you want, but uh, I know, kind right. of a disappointment. Was it? Yeah. yeah. So nothing you know, like um, nothing like B. Smith. Remember when she was there? I, and B. Smith is still open. It the, is still the, open. The, the flagship store. Walk past it down on Eighth yeah. Avenue. It's yes. still open. It's still open. Yeah. So the flagship store, a restaurant, is still open. But the one in Union Square, of course, is closed. Yes. And there was another one. That she, I think she had one up in Sags Harbor. Yes. Where she lives. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I love B. Smith. We were going to go up to see Valerie Simpson's place called the Sugar Bar. Okay. But it's just hard to do everything. Yes, yes. It's hard to. But yeah. So that was uh, the week that was. All right, then. So what is going on this week? Everything, Vicki. Everything. Well, you know, January, January is National Healthy Weight Awareness Month. Now, who knew? Isn't that, isn't that who the best? Knew? That's wow, January, right there. Let that sink in. Let that sink in, right? According to the U.S. Public Health Service, January is National Healthy Weight Awareness Month. And this definitely seems pretty fitting since Statistic Brain reports that the number one resolution for folks is being made on January the 1st, and that is to lose some extra weight. So the question is, how do you maintain a healthy weight? Now, according to the CDC, the key to achieving and maintaining a healthy weight isn't about short-term dietary changes. It's about a lifestyle that includes healthy eating, regular physical activity, and balancing the number of calories you consume with the number of calories your body uses. So we have to stay in control of our weight because that contributes to good health now and as we age. And so one of the tools or screening tools that can be used is the BMI. And if you go onto the CDC um, website, you can find a BMI calculator and then just put in the numbers that they ask for. They're going to ask for your weight Mm -hmm. and your height. Mm -hmm. But it's the body mass index, and it's a person's weight in kilograms divided by the square of height in meters. And so a high BMI can be an indicator of high body fatness and having a low BMI 
can be an indicator of having too low body fatness. And BMI can be used, like we said, as a screening tool, but it is not diagnostic of the body fatness or health of an individual. And that's when you would go, like you could do a DEXA, and mm-hmm. that'll tell you more mm-hmm. about your percentage of body fatness mm-hmm. versus the, the muscle and bone. Mm-hmm. There's the BOD pod that's used. Also, there's the gold standard, and that's when you do the underwater um, weighing, mm-hmm. hydrostatic weighing, underwater weighing. And that's how you can find out your body fatness. But look, this is at least a good guideline. And like we tell folks, you can you kind of know when you probably overweight of obese, You know right? what you kind of know. Right. So we, really we don't have to do all those measurements no, and stuff. No, you know, right? No, no. But, okay, so if you have a BMI, your BMI is 18.5 to 24.9, and that falls within the normal or healthy weight range. Now, if you your BMI is 25 to 29.9, it will be within the overweight range. And then, of course... If you are obese, the BMI is 30 or higher. Let us make sure that we get down to or make sure we maintain a healthy weight to find out more about all that you can do to maintain your healthy weight. Go to the CDC website for information and tips. It is www.cdc.gov forward slash healthy weight. And so it has all kinds of things on that page. It has, of course, it talks about healthy eating, Mm -hmm. exercise, assessment, Mm -hmm. you know, measurements, Mm -hmm. and all of that. So take a look, folks. Let's try to maintain a healthy weight, right? New Year's here. Yeah, we have the Oscar nominations. And I think we back to that Oscar Oscar so so white. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I think we back yeah. to that. So moon is over. What's your thoughts on that? I listened to the Oscars. There was an article that I sent you from the Washington Post that yes. talked about they announced it today. They announced it on Monday. And no women were nominated for Best Director. I think the mm-hmm. last woman that got an award, I was looking it up last night, was uh-huh. this woman that got it for Hurt Locker. Okay. I can't remember her name, but the, that was a movie about bomb experts in Iraq. Yes. Catherine, yes. I can't think of her, Kathleen or whatever. I can't think of her last name. But yes. in any case, I remember that. she got that Best Director. And but since that time, even though Greta Gerwig's highly praised, I want to see this Little Women made the cut for Best Picture and Adapted Screenplay. She wasn't the only filmmaker who had an impressive movie in 2019, but she wasn't nominated. And a year when a number of women working as directors, writers, producers, cinematographers and others behind the camera pieces. Another one that got a big snub was uh, Ava DuVernay. I know who did that. The uh, whole Netflix special. Right, right. How they see us or what? How they see us, right. That should have been in the Golden Globe. But, I mean, she wasn't. So you've got a lot of women who did a lot of things. Laureen Scarfaria did a whiz-bang job directing the fizzy crime caper Hustlers. That was what Jennifer Lopez was in. Yes. And Marielle Heller with A Beautiful Day in In the the Neighborhood neighborhood with Mr. Rogers. Yeah. Tom Hanks got nominated. As Mm -hmm. I just said, he got a nomination for portrayal of Mr. Rogers, whereas Jennifer Lopez, like I said, 
she was a stripper with a heart of gold, she didn't get anything. Mm-mm. And then Lupita Nyong'o. In yes. fact, that movie was so scary, I didn't want to go see it. Yeah. She did Us. double take in the horror movie Us. Mm-hmm. It's tempting to chalk up this year's snubs to the same racial and gender blind spots on the Academy for Motion Picture Arts and Sciences that led to the Oscars So White campaign and efforts to invite more women and filmmakers of color to join the organization. Now, last year they had an African-American woman who was president of the Academy. Yes, I remember Can't that. I remember her name, but she was. Uh-huh. But at this year's nominees reflect an inherent bias. It has as much to do with genre as race and gender, not to mention the ways those three things sometimes overlap or cancel each other out in expected ways. It's not that white guys are running the entire table this year. For the first time, a film from South Korea, yes. Bong John Ho's Wealthy Inequality Parable Parasite as a credible shot at winning Best Picture, like last year's Roma. Did you yes, see Roma? I yes. saw Roma last year, just like Roma did. Mm-hmm. But as imaginative and as richly realized as his film is, mm-hmm. it's still more of a piece than not with the American films he's competing against, like Todd Phillips' Joker, which is scary looking, yes. Joaquin Phoenix, yes. Martin Scorsese's The Irishman, which that went on for five days, but that was a three-hour movie. <laughs> it seemed like it was going on, but I, I really feel that uh-huh. that's the movie that's going to get Best Supporting Actor award to Joe Pesci okay. for a couple of reasons. Number one, I think it's his time, uh-huh. and number two, Hollywood, the Academy likes those people that make those transformations of their face and body and all of that. Think of the people like Matthew McConaughey and Hathaway who lost all that weight for Les Mis, uh, Robert De Niro who gained a bunch of weight for Raging Bull. They like that transformation of the body. Mm -hmm. And then Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That was Brad Pitt's movie. Yes. He won for the... He won the Golden Globe, didn't he? Yeah, the Golden Globe. Mm -hmm. Brad Pitt. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it relies on familiar tropes of explosive stylized violence for its most visceral thrills. Sam Mendes, I just saw that this past weekend, yeah. was nominated for 1917 and actually won a Golden Globe. Mm-hmm. 1917 was voted as Best Picture, and Sam Mendes got the nod for Director. Has been duly recognized for his audacious decision to film the World War I action adventure seemingly in one continuous shot, a muscular cinematic flex if ever there was one. But as a war picture about men of courage going into battle, 1917 epitomizes the kind of movie Hollywood has always deemed important and canonized enough to yeah, canonized. deserve its highest, highest honors. honors. So, so, yeah. With all of this, though, at the end of the day, just even looking at the Golden Globes, because, you know, the Golden Globes kind of, it gives you at least an idea, idea of who right. might get the exactly. Oscars. I'm going to watch the SAG. And it should be in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, so it's Because it's the, February the 9th is the Oscars. So right. the Screen Actors Guild. So it's sometime during this I weekend next or next couple, weekend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it's back to the Oscars so white. Yeah, it's looking that way. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of people, I think Cynthia Erivo got a nod for Harriet Tubman. Mm-hmm. And then that Bong Jong, they're, well, it's kind of interesting. He was considered a non-white nominee, but uh, I'm still looking for, I don't know, maybe that's wrong. Maybe it's me. I'm still looking for the Latino African-American. We're just looking for some black folks. Call it what it is. So I just say call it what it is. So that didn't happen. 
No. And there were a lot of people, I think, that, and you know, Dolomite, they thought that was a good yes, movie. Yes, Eddie, Eddie Murphy. Murphy. I know. That movie didn't get a, a nod. Eddie Murphy didn't get a nod. No, Netflix, we have to watch oh. them. They're starting to, oh, to, to my get a lot of films on yeah. there and give people a chance, yes. especially our sisters that Absolutely. are producing. Because yes. I saw that, what what's her name? Regina King. King. She's I, getting ready to do. She's right. getting ready to produce mm-hmm. something for Netflix. Yeah, she is. So, yeah. And it's funny because today somebody was telling me about a movie. Oh, I know. Uh, Dr. Vassilaris, we were talking uh-huh. about a movie called Dark Waters. Okay. And my comment was, well, is it on Netflix? He goes, no, D, it's on the actual movies. You got to go to a movie and pay a <laughs> ticket and sit down with some popcorn. I know that's a novelty now. And he's right because I just look at Netflix for yes. all what's coming on. Net- There's a movie out now that I've been falling asleep on for the last two nights. The Marriage. <laughs> Okay. That's a big movie on Netflix that's been nominated for Best Picture. Okay. With, in fact, Laura Dern has been nominated for an Academy Award, and Scarlett Johansson is in it. She's actually been nominated for two Oscars. Okay. And Adam Driver, I think, has been nominated for Best Actor. So that's one of the movies to watch. Okay. So, okay. 1917, my critique of it was great cinematography, uh-huh. wonderful scenery, close-ups, the way they did the, the shots and the scenes and stuff. But I felt like I was watching two and a half hours of Harry Potter. Okay. Because it was so unrealistic. Okay. You got these guys coming up before a machine gun and it shoots and then you keep running. That's just not realistic. (laughs) You fall into a hole and you come digging out, but you got scars and stuff and you're bleeding to death, but you make it over the barbed wires into another field. Mm. The story was noble about getting from one end to the other, whatever, but I'm not going to give anything away, but I just felt like I was watching a Harry Potter movie. So. For me, I need to see the others to compare 1917. But that's the hot new, you know, Hollywood again loves all this pomp and circumstance fanfare. But the other thing is that, mm-hmm. remember the year when all Brits were nominated for yes. Academy Awards? Yes. Mm-hmm. I kind of look at it like, mm. it's all British actors in this movie, mm-hmm. pretty much. Mm-hmm. And not that they don't deserve to be considered for the Academy Award, but... I want to see the others. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I want to see the others to compare. <laughs> so, yeah. But Netflix is the, that's the cable network to watch. Yes, and I'm getting ready. I don't know if it's out yet. I got to check. Bad Boys with Will Oh, Smith. I cannot <laughs> wait. It, they had trailers in the movie. I don't think and it's Martin out Lawrence. yet. I can't wait. It looks yes. to be hilarious. Yes, And yes, they don't yes. look like they missed a beat. No, because yeah. I, I did one and two, and they were mm-hmm. both good. Yeah. And yeah. that was back. I couldn't really, when, when they were talking. That? Was that, that was back at twenty five years ago. I they did the be. first one. Had to be. Isn't had that crazy? Yeah, How crazy. time goes by like had that. Had to be. Yep. Yeah. Let's talk about what everybody Ooh, been talking everybody. about. Everybody. Everybody been talking this about. Blown up a few television. I know. Two television things <laughs> and radios and cable and so forth. What is it? Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. I guess they're not the Duchess and the Dutch right. of Sussex anymore. Well, they're or? trying to decide if she's going to strip them of their title. Now, he'll always have, he'll be Prince Harry. But, no matter what, but right? But she might just go back to being Meghan Markle, not the Duchess. But there's always controversy because they look mm-hmm. at what happened to Diana. They stripped her of her. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if the Queen's going to do that or not. That remains to be seen. Yes, but it's just very interesting how, you know, a lot of people were talking about, oh, this is so great, you know, Mm -hmm. they marry and she's mixed and from America and this and that. 
that whole thing isn't lasting. It lasted. But we went to the wedding for all yes. you all out there in Radio Land. <laughs> Vicky and I went over for the wedding, and they were just pumping it up. Oh, oh yeah, this is the best oh, thing. And this diversity and, and this yeah, and yeah, yeah. that, and then that honeymoon ended, and people started to rear their ugly heads. Yes, they did. Right. That's what we call LWB. Yeah, living while black. Living while black. <laughs> I mean, it. they were not going to let. Every time they picked up a newspaper, mm-hmm. you know, they complained about how she was, you know, a diva in the house. They complained about how she was bridezilla. Then they, and then I think the ultimate was that, because, you know, people's children should be off limits. Big time. And they had that caricature of the little Archie looking like a chimpanzee. Uh, yes. Come, yeah. 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 And remember old Piers Morgan? He, he was something anyway. Terrible. Like, he was down on her from day one. Always, he says, you know, I feel like she's, you know, she's getting, trying to get something. She's a Hollywood starlet, this, that, and the other. So I guess, you know, they'd had enough. She'd had enough. Yeah. And she was like, look, honey, sweet, let's go. Let's bounce. They're young. Yeah. You know, and nowadays the millennials, the the Gen Zs mm-hmm. and all that, mm-hmm. they don't take a lot of stuff. No, they don't. They're not just going to hang around mm-hmm. and get beat up. No, they don't. Uh-uh. Because they got mm-hmm. the internet. They got yeah. different communities that are following them. And those guys were making money. Yeah. Just, you know, London, England, all right. that money just right. for us following them over there exactly. and seeing what they're doing. Exactly. Going to the wedding. going, And a lot of people still are going there just to, to tour. To be to see them. To see some yes. of the. Yeah. To be around them. To be in their presence. Or yes, whatever. Yes, so, yes. you know, they brought a lot of money to that kingdom. Yes, they did. I don't think that Will and Kate are bringing the kind of money that they, you know, they're a pretty couple. They're a nice looking couple. Uh huh. And, and um, they always did a lot of good things. He, they did. he did a lot of good in the neighborhood. He would go over to Africa sure and do did. a lot of stuff. Sure did. You know, just like his sure mom. Did. Just like his mom. He developed those Invictus games. I mean, his whole thing has been about helping people that are less fortunate. Yes. And so here's the thing, though, you know, he was, he was like, yeah, you guys did that to my mom. He doesn't seem to have any forgiveness for Mm-mm. what they did to his Mm-mm. mother. Yeah. Mm-mm. They hounded her to death. To death. Yeah. To death. For real. Yeah. That was the big thing going on that they stunned the world and they, sure they made their announcement on Wednesday that they would be stepping back from royal duties splitting up their time between Britain and North America and seeking becoming financially independent. So kudos to them. That's what I say. Kudos to them. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure they have things to work out, but I think they got what they wanted. That's it. Those that have been watching The Crown, as I have been watching it since day one, if you watch that and there's a, there's a, a lot of authenticity about that series, even they say that the queen watches it. Okay. You is, that, is that on Netflix? Netflix? That's what I thought. You understand the goings on of quote unquote Buckingham Palace. It's a business. It's a corporation. Yeah. It's not just her. And a lot of those decisions that she makes are coerced by those people that run Buckingham Palace. Right. Just like they did when she was a younger queen. So you don't step out of line. And I said on Facebook one time, mm-hmm. you know, if they'll do it to their own. Yes. They did it to Margaret, her sister. Uh-huh. They did it to Diana. They did it to Fergie. Look oh, at, I forgot about Fergie. Fergie. You know, and they hounded them. The press called her Princess of Pork. 
Remember that? Yeah, yeah. The Duchess of Pork or something like yeah. that. Dog and Diana and they this, that, and the other. So if they will hound their own, mm. imagine what they'll do to an outsider. That's it. And she was clearly an outsider. I mean, Diana had been hanging around the royals a little bit. Fergie's dad was a footman for somebody in the royal family. Kate, you know, even though she was a commoner, she had been around royals and stuff like that. But this girl comes from Los Angeles from a single yeah, mom. Yeah, plus, plus the main thing is she's black. She's black. Bottom line. Bottom line. Oh, this mixed stuff. And no, no, she's, she's black. black. There it is. There it are. <laughs> <laughs> there it are. <laughs> yep. Look, none of us, even the black folks that are, what, the Britons, the mm-hmm. black Britons over mm-hmm. there and mm-hmm. so forth and so on. Yeah. When all this went down, we were like, mm, okay, well, move on. They understood. Because we know. They understood. We know. And we knew. Yeah. yeah, we, yeah. we knew. We just, you always hope. Yeah. <laughs> hope. But what they say, hope and pray. Hope and pray, you know, that things might have changed or whatever. But, mm-hmm. you know. But they are changing the narrative. The narrative is listen, if you can't get it right, we out. We're out of here. We're out of here, and we're taking our baby, and we're moving to another country. Yes. Which I think is the ultimate slap in the face. They're moving to Canada. That's it. You know, and the Canadians are now scrambling around trying to figure out how they're going to, if they're going to pay for security or how they can't leave those people without security. Somebody's going to have to pay for it. Right. Because, uh, you know, yeah. Diana didn't, this morning they were pointing out how Diana didn't have security. And that's probably what and happened to her. And that's probably right. what happened to her. Yeah. All that to say is this is a new day. Like you say, the millennials are not, they're not that loyal. We're Mm-mm. talking about jobs. Millennials will leave a job in a split second. Yes, they will. They don't have that kind of loyalty like, you know, we have <laughs> staying a job for 30 years. Those days are over. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. You good if you get two years two. out of them. <laughs> <laughs> Two. You know, Mark Perna's been in here talking to us about the millennials and that whole yes, generation the Gen and Z. their mindset and stuff. Yeah. So no, they're not taking this. So they just keep it moving. They keep it moving. All keep right now. Yeah. Yes, so yes. To be continued. To be continued. You That's know. exactly it. So what's the latest, D? Well, I brought up a couple medical articles. The first one is that we started hearing reports a few weeks ago about another strange virus, a strange virus. Those of you that might remember in early 2000, they had a an epidemic of SARS, yes. which they attributed to a corona-like virus. Well, in Hong Kong, Chinese state media on Saturday reported the first known death from a new virus that has infected dozens of people in China, and it's created that angst that they had when SARS was around. So the Zenhu News Agency cited the Health Commission in the central Chinese city of Wuhan, where the illness first appeared in reporting the death. The Health Commission said the patient was a 61-year-old man who died. 41 people have been found to have this new virus, which is also a coronavirus, mm-hmm. and seven patients are still in severe condition, the Health Commission said. There is no evidence that the virus can be spread human to human, because that's critical. Okay. The initial cases were linked to workers at a market, typical, mm-hmm. that sold live fish, birds, and other animals. And we've seen pictures of these chickens and birds and all these things running around, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. More than 700 people who had close contact with patients, including 419 medical workers, have been put under observation, adding that no additional cases have been found. Reports of the virus, which is a mysterious pneumonia-like illness, okay. first appeared last month and have still aroused fears 
around the region remembering SARS 17 years ago, which mm. killed more than 800 people oh, worldwide. Wow. Wow. Okay. So the man who died was a regular customer at the market, and he had been diagnosed with abdominal tumors and chronic liver disease, so he was already immunocompromised. Okay. While no new cases have been detected since January the 3rd, questions remain. Report of the man's death came just after, before the Spring Festival, China's biggest holiday, which begins January 25th, and a time when hundreds of people travel across the country. So they got to get this fixed. The mass migration raises the potential of spreading and worsening the outbreak. In recent days, authorities have stationed personnel at airports and train regions. What they're doing is they're checking people. They're going to check people's, you know, for fevers and stuff like that. And if you're febrile and all that, you're not going to be able to travel. Okay. Lastly more about the virus. Coronaviruses are a large family of viruses that infect animals and people, and some cause only the symptoms associated with the common cold. Health officials in China have said that the symptoms of the new illness include high fever, difficulty breathing, and lung lesions. Mm. So that's one that we have to keep watching out for. Oh, big time. Yeah, because, you know, I guess that's what's going to keep me in business. Yes, yes, yes. All these new viruses and diseases and stuff popping up. So. I know, but you, don't you think with all of the news that we're hearing about Australia, it makes me think of that. Yeah. You see all those animals that are dying. One billion. Isn't that some crazy One stuff? billion. That is crazy. That's crazy. And people don't understand the magnitude of this. I was on the elevator in New York with a guy from Australia. He said, the magnitude of this bushfire is you take Georgia, Alabama, and Mississippi. Mm. That's what's burning. Wow. Georgia, Mississippi, and Alabama. That's all that's burning. That's a huge amount of, you know, that's three yes. states for us. That's three. Wow. On one continent. Mm. Yeah. So, and they're trying to run around and say the koalas, and you're just so sad pictures of them being burned and the kangaroos. And yesterday they dropped a ton of vegetables all over yeah, Australia mm -hmm. for the animal carrots and stuff like that for them to eat. So, yeah. So then the next article is another mm -hmm. medical one that I found mm -hmm. right up my alley. Mm -hmm. After a measles scare, Seattle cracks down on vaccine compliance. After a measles outbreak sickened dozens of unvaccinated children in southwestern Washington State last year, school health administrators around the state went into crisis mode intent on confronting the relatively low vaccination rates in the region. First, they got assistance from the state legislature, which passed a law in May tightening exemption rules, meaning there's hardly anything that you're going to tell me that your kid can't take a vaccine. They sent letters asking thousands of families mm -hmm. who did not have compliant vaccine records to get them in order. Well, you know, they give people so long and they still weren't compliant. Mm -hmm. And the number of students with incomplete or non-compliant records was around 7,000. Wow. And so now they put in this new rule that your kid your kids have got to be vaccinated before they're going to cross this threshold. Mm. It says at a time when states and school districts are exploring strategies to increase vaccination rates and avoid outbreaks, the tactics in Seattle appear to be paying off in a region with plenty of vaccine skepticism. And so the numbers have steadily dropped to just a few hundred last week, the deadline for students to show their vaccination paperwork. So one woman said she's ecstatic. We've seen the devastation of what happens when measles comes to visit. Oregon is another, had another small outbreak. Washington responded again by passing a law that would no longer, like I said, allow for families to claim personal belief exemption for measles, mumps, and rubella vaccine. 
medical and religious exemptions are still allowed as are personal exemptions for other vaccines. Oregon, which has the nation's highest rate of vaccine exemptions for kindergartners, considered but then abandoned legislation to tighten exemption rules. Elizabeth Steiner Hayward, who's a Democratic senator from Oregon who has worked for years to tighten the vaccination rules, said Oregon had a perfect storm of communities on opposite ends of the political spectrum that comprised a large anti-vaccine presence. She said they included libertarians who are weary of the government, Mm. Mm. others who feel it is unnatural to inject vaccines into bodies, Mm. and religious groups that oppose immunization on principle. So they've got to fix this up. And in conclusion, Mm -hmm. despite the robust opposition, Ms. Steiner Haywood, who's from Oregon, the lawmaker, had enough votes last year to eliminate non-medical vaccine exemptions. But she said Governor Kate Bowen of Oregon had given up the issue in negotiations with Republicans killing the bill. So it's all about politics. It's so sad. Yes. So in Seattle, going back, it said it was too early to say how much the new rules and enforcement would improve vaccination rates. But this woman, Mrs. Hogue, who's from the uh, Health Initiative, was optimistic. Immunizations were especially important in a region that is the hub of cancer treatment centers, where patients who are also students in the district cannot get vaccinated for medical reasons, and broader community vaccinations can help insulate them from infection. You have to protect those people who can't protect themselves. So it's you know, still back to vaccinate your kids. I've been on this soapbox <laughs> for over a year. Y'all know that out there in radio land, That's podcast it. land. That's it. You gotta vaccinate your children. You vaccinate. Know? And I continue. I continue to beat a dead horse and continue to pardon the pun. Go to an old cemetery and see how many children did not make it until the age up to the age of two mm-hmm. because they died with diseases mm-hmm. that we have eradicated, eliminated. And mm-hmm. now you're pushing us all the way back to the 1920s. Mm. I don't want that I for know. my grandchildren. I don't want it for me. That's another danger is that they don't know because we haven't faced this in this country. Mm-hmm. They don't know at what age adults' immunity starts to wane. Right. Let's say, for example, you had natural immunity to measles, like me, had it born before 1957. They say you have a natural immunity. Well, nobody's checked my antibodies to see if I'm still, if my antibodies have waned, and now you bring a little crumb snatcher around with measles. <laughs> Am I going to get it? Right. I don't want, you don't, no adult no. wants any of those diseases in an older age, like chicken pox and measles and all those things can lead to death Mm. so vaccinate your kids there it is we're back to that hi everyone this is dr vicky haywood doe i just wanted to break in for a quick second and introduce to you the sponsor and creator of this show it's the company i own haywood doe consulting co doing business as vicky doe fitness We are a health and wellness consulting company that specializes in designing and implementing medically integrated applied exercise physiology-based fitness wellness programs, initiatives, events, health promotion, and health education for special populations such as older folks, children, adolescents, overweight and obese individuals, cardiac rehab, women's health, and those who have chronic diseases. We have a team and network of healthcare professionals based out of Northeast Ohio, 
and we've worked with many companies, schools, churches, and organizations. If your goal is to transform your life by taking a holistic approach to living a life of health and total well-being, get in touch with us at info at To find out more about our own site and online programs and services, go to vikidofitness.com. And now back to the show. Well, today we talk about research articles and hot topics that we think are worth looking at and talking about. Our topic today is what's new, hot topics number 52. Now, our first article is... And we talk about this right here, D, All don't the time. we? <laughs> All the time. I love this article. Yes. It's May 2020, the year of less sugar. One of the best things you can do for your health is to cut back on foods with added sugar. This article is talking about how that we need to take the seven-day sugar challenge. Now, you might think you're not eating much sugar. Chances are that you're eating more than you realize. And we always say that because added sugar is in the breads, the health foods, the snacks, the yogurts, much of our breakfast foods. We know about that. Some people's breakfast foods are um, donuts. Yeah. And Pop-Tarts, yeah, which are loaded with sugar. And then sugar can be found in sauces. Now, the article says that the average American eats about 17 teaspoons of added sugar a day. That's not counting the sugars that occur naturally in foods like fruit and dairy products. That's about double the recommended limit for men, which is nine teaspoons, and triple the limit for women, which is six teaspoons. And I'm going to add here... One teaspoon of sugar is about 16 calories. Mm -hmm. And so we have way more than that. Way more. Way more than that. For children, the limit should be about three teaspoons of added sugar and no more than six, depending on age and caloric needs. Cutting added sugar isn't about dieting and deprivation, and you don't have to count calories or cut fat. In fact, when you stop eating foods with added sugar, You'll replace them with foods that taste even better. And yes, you can still have dessert. Now, Dr. Robert Lusting, a professor of pediatric endocrinology at the University of California, San Francisco, said, whether you are thin or fat, you can benefit by reducing the sugar in your diet. It's not about being obese. It has to do with metabolic health. And one of the first to raise the alarm about the health risk was Dr. Robert Lusting, the health risk of added sugar, because he had a 90-minute lecture called Sugar, the Bitter Truth, and it has been viewed about 9 million times since 2009. Isn't that something? Unbelievable. That is something. A number of health authorities ranging from the World Health Organization to the Office of Disease Prevention and Health Promotion, which issues national dietary guidelines for Americans, agree that cutting back on added sugars is a good idea. And critics like Dr. Lusting believe that the case against sugar is as strong as the case against smoking or excess alcohol. These recommendations have come under attack by groups with ties to the food industry, of course, right? Of course, who's benefiting. Who's benefiting, yeah. And yet many of us who wouldn't dream of smoking or getting drunk on a daily basis might be unknowingly undermining our health by eating too much sugar. So then they have 
what is called sugar belly. I thought this was important. Many scientists now believe that added sugar is a main corporate in the obesity epidemic. But normal weight people can suffer the same health problems associated with too much sugar. A 15-year study found that eating high amounts of added sugar doubles the risk of heart disease, even for people who aren't overweight. Added sugar has also been implemented in an increased risk for type 2 diabetes, cancer, stroke, and even Alzheimer's disease. And too much added sugar in your diet can damage your liver, similarly to the way that alcohol can. About a third of American adults and 13%, that's what was a trip, 13% of children, mm, mm, isn't that mm, something, mm. have non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, a mm. condition linked to added sugar consumption that is on the rise and that can progress to serious, even deadly liver disease. Yes, we've all seen the beer belly associated with drinking too much alcohol, consuming too much sugar, added sugar can lead to a similar condition called sugar belly, in which your waist is bigger than your hips. Sugar belly can arise when the liver repeatedly detects more fructose, a form of sugar found in fruits that is also added to many processed foods that our bodies can use. To deal with it, the liver breaks down the extra fructose and changes it to fat globules, which are then exported into the bloodstream and deposited around our internal organs and our midsection, which is bad news. Now, here's the part that I really love when it really explains about fruit versus fructose. Isn't sugar a natural food? That is the question. Well, there's a counter argument often promoted by the sugar industry but there is nothing natural about the way most of us eat added sugar. When you eat a strawberry or other fruit, and this is very important because people ask me this all the time, and I say, no, you want to eat fruit. When you eat a strawberry or other fruit, you are eating fructose, but in its natural state, and it comes with a number of micronutrients plus fiber. See, fiber is very important which slows absorption and the rate in which sugar enters your bloodstream, right? Mm -hmm. And so, yes, it's okay to eat fruit. Your body can handle fructose when it's eating as whole fruit. But the fructose found in ultra-processed foods and beverages is concentrated from, look, corn, beets, and sugar cane, and much of all the fiber and the nutrients have been removed. And without the fiber to slow it down, your body gets a big dose of the fructose that can wake havoc on your blood vessels and on your body. Yep. So that is very important. Yep. So that's why if you're going to eat sugar, you mm. want to go and do sugar from the natural exactly. fruit. Yes. Exactly. So high consumption of processed fructose also can dull your body's reaction to the brain hormone leptin, which is a natural appetite suppressant. A condition called leptin resistance can develop 
among high sugar eaters and the brain stops getting the message to stop eating, which can lead to weight gain. And increasingly, the scientific community is acknowledging the addictive. We talk about that, how addictive sugar is, the addictive nature of the fructose in processed foods and beverages. Brain scan studies show that fructose affects the dopamine system, a messenger center in the brain that controls how we experience pleasure. Eating lots of added sugar can create changes in the brain similar to those found in people who are addicted to cocaine Mm -hmm. and alcohol. And it's one reason so many of us find ourselves craving sweets. Mm -hmm. So cutting sugar is a simple concept, but it can be challenging when a majority of foods available in the supermarkets contain added sugar. And so when we go along here, it is admonishing us to take the seven-day sugar challenge. And the first step is when you want to stop and to start reducing your added sugar, they're saying first step is to take their seven-day sugar challenge, which will deliver a new strategy each day for cutting your added sugar. And so by the end of the week, you will have adopted several new healthy habits that can put you well on the way for cutting down your sugar. So to start, it's a good idea to cut the sugar out of breakfast, yep. which tends to be the sweetest meal of the day. Cutting sugary beverages and eating whole foods rather than packaged foods makes a bit dent in your sugar consumption. And if you crave dessert, eat fruit instead. But there is also telling you to skip the grapes because the grapes have the most sugar in them. You want to limit other types of dessert to once a week. When you read the food labels, you know, you can find added sugar in disguise. Dr. Frank Hu, a chair of the Department of Nutrition at the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health, says one should keep in mind that added sugars go by many different names like brown sugar, beet sugar, agave nectar, and honey. But don't be fooled by these names because they are all added sugars with similar metabolic effects and extra calories. They're saying, and we all know, cutting added sugar isn't easy. During the first five days of no added sugar, you will probably experience cravings for sweets. But be warned that studies show that many of us are particularly vulnerable to craving sugary snacks in the evening. I thought that was pretty interesting. Do you crave snacks in the evening, sugary snacks? I I I don't. Me either. I I do the opposite. No. If I'm going to crave something, it's going to be salt stuff. Yeah. But I don't crave sugary snacks. No. That's not. But I'm not a dessert person. I am not either. Yeah. So, yeah. So I would say that we need to think about cutting down, doing this challenge for seven days. And the goal is to change your diet and stick with your new habits for a lifetime of healthy eating. When you just after 10 days of cutting added sugar, one important study of overweight children have shown improvements in metabolic markers, including blood pressure, cholesterol, Mm -hmm. and blood sugar. So I think that all of us should 
go ahead and take do that. Do the challenge. Don't you think? Yeah, do the challenge. I started out on this uh, after the first year trying to do, you know, not a diet, but like just those kinds of things, minimizing carbohydrates, minimizing sugar, mm-hmm. and not looking at it as like a diet, yeah. doing a lifestyle change because those things aren't good for me anyway. Right. That's our goal then. Yeah. Less sugar this year, yeah, folks. Yeah, less sugar. Right. I'll get sugar on the other end, but no sugar, added sugar. Right. No. (laughs) (laughs) Like you talk about your honey sweet. I know you're getting your honey sweet. Yes, 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 yes. (laughs) But, you know, as we've talked about on here, the other thing is to try to use substitutes to craving or whatever that you have for. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of recipes. Your brain can be fooled into thinking that things are Mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that there are recipes that you can go to and find things that will change the taste of something to make it make your brain think that it's a little sweeter or whatever it is that you have to have but yes you know I always said for me I think the the data has shown over many many years that sugar is killing us yes it is sugar is killing us Mm -hmm. and the thing of it is is that we're ratcheting our health back from the food industry Right. Because the food industry would have us to be eating sugar all the time. The they, way they're they, taking over. You know, when, the way when we were in MBA school, how they, you have to stay on the outsides of the grocery store aisles because on the inside is where all the cereals are. Sugar's killing us. And we're yeah. digging our graves with our teeth. Yes. Let's cut it out. Let's, Let's cut it out. Take a stand. Yeah, take a stand. Let's take Ra- a stand. Ratchet back. Take our health back from the food industry. That's it. That's a good one. Yeah. Take a stand. Take a stand. You know, yeah, from the food industry. Yeah, take your health back from the food industry because they're because we do have choices. We have choices, and it's not of any benefit to them mm-hmm. to make us healthy. Right. They're not into the <laughs> thing of making us healthy. You got to realize that you have to be your own advocate. Yes. They're about profit, and we got to watch it because. Even the healthy foods, and you see all these people coming out with gluten-free this and yeah. that and the other. We're going to be back at the same thing, eating right. a bunch of junk. Exactly. Or the muffins that have, like, they're non-fat, but they have, like, 360 <laughs> calories per muffin. No, that's just not, that doesn't equal. And, again, let's reiterate for the post-holidays, portion control. Portion control. Yes, yes. Portion control. And we want all of you guys that are listening, go to the show notes and you'll be able to download a free portion control sheet that really tells you how to to do um, portion control with mm-hmm. what you eat. So go and download that. That's a cheat sheet, portion mm-hmm. control. It'll be in your show notes. We're mm-hmm. putting it in the show notes. Mm-hmm. So what's our next article, D? So the next article, I'm really happy to hear this. Cancer death rates in the United States sees sharpest one-year drop. Breakthrough treatments for lung cancer and melanoma have driven down cancer mortality overall. And and I've just seen this on a practical level with people that I've known that have had revolutionary changes in life expectancy with lung cancer and melanoma. Uh, you look at Tom Brokaw. Tom Brokaw has malignant melanoma, and you've okay, been, yes. been following his course with the treatment that he's mm-hmm. been getting. Mm-hmm. So the cancer death rates in the United States fell 2.2% from 2016 to 2017, the largest single-year decline in cancer. 
cancer mortality ever reported. American Cancer Society reported this on Wednesday last week. Since 1991, the rate has dropped 29 percent, which translates to approximately 2.9 million fewer cancer deaths than would have occurred if the mortality rate had remained constant. Every year, we see a decline in cancer mortality rate, said Rebecca Siegel, Director of Surveillance Research at the American Cancer Society and lead author of the organization's report, which was published online in CA, a cancer journal for clinicians. Experts attributed the decline to the reduced smoking rates and to advances in lung cancer. They have that new drug out now called Keytruda. Yes. which has made a huge difference. Okay. New therapies for melanoma of the skin have helped extend life for many people with metastatic disease or cancer that is spread to other parts of the body. Progress has slowed for colorectal, breast, and prostate cancers. However, the rising rate of obesity among Americans, mm. as well as significant racial and geographic disparities, likely explain why the decline in breast and colon rectal cancer death rates has begun to taper off and why the decrease in rates of prostate cancer has halted entirely. Wow. Cancer remains the second leading cause of death after heart disease in men and women nationally, and the American Cancer Society predicts that in 2020 there will be about 1,800-plus thousand new cancer cases and 600-plus thousand cancer deaths. Lung cancer kills more people than breast prostate, colorectal, and brain cancers combined. If I can interject here, I was just talking to some people the other day. Uh What we're starting to see more, too, is lung cancer in people that are not smokers. I know, right? And women. I know. People that didn't smoke. So we're still dealing Mm. with... The effects of cigarette smoking from the 1960s and 70s, said Dr. Otis Brawley. I know him. Okay. He's an African-American, happens to be an African-American oncologist at Johns Mm -hmm. Hopkins Mm -hmm. and former chief scientific officer at the American Cancer Society. Because there is a lag between exposure and cancer diagnosis, people who stop smoking may develop lung cancer years later. That's true. But these rates should continue to go down, said Dr. Brawley. In the last decade, several important advances in diagnosis and treating lung cancer have helped avert patient deaths. New imaging technologies have allowed doctors to accurately assess the stage and its prognosis, less invasive surgical approaches. And since 2015, and this immunotherapy, again, has revolutionized cancer by enlisting their T cells to kill the tumors. Similar treatment breakthroughs have completely reversed melanoma. And there are two drugs here that I can't pronounce because they're these drugs that end in MAB, which means they're monoclonal antibodies that are for metastatic melanoma. One is ipilimubab and vimurafenib and they're both immunotherapies. Subsequently, the melanoma mortality rate began declining by 7% among men and women aged 20 to 64 and 5 to 6% per year in individuals 65 or older. So that was the largest decline in mortality that we saw. So again, mm-hmm. Tom Brokaw mm-hmm. has benefited off of this. Mm. But as more Americans put on excess pounds, I'm assuming that he's benefited off of this because he's continuing to do well from what I can glean or what he says. Okay. But as more Americans put on excess pounds, the rate of obesity-related cancers is increasing. These include malignancies of liver, kidney, pancreas, and uterus, cancers of the breast and postmenopausal women, and colon and rectal cancers in adults younger than 55. And we know about colon and rectal cancer in young people. So what we're seeing with obesity is really sort of parallel to what we were seeing with cigarette smoking, said Timothy Rebeck, an epidemiologist at Harvard, and Dana Farber. Studies have found that obesity 
unhealthy, we just talked about this. Yes. Unhealthy diets and a lack of physical activity are associated with metabolic and hormone abnormalities and chronic inflammation, which may help explain the link to cancer. Controlling these factors could help jumpstart declines in cancer incidence and mortality rates, once again, said Dr. Rebat. But not all populations benefit from prevention and advances in cancer treatment. Although racial disparities in cancer care are narrowing, mm -hmm. the American Cancer Society report that black men were still twice as likely to die of cancer as Asian Pacific Islander men and 20% more likely to die than white men. Men and women living in certain states are more likely to develop and succumb to potentially preventable cancers such as lung cancer, cervical cancer, and melanoma, which hopefully with the HPV vaccine will have that wiped out in 20 years. Mm -hmm. The reason lies in historical differences in smoking prevalence, obesity, other cancer risk factors, and the ability to assess and afford quality cancer care. The incidence of cervical cancer is much higher in Arkansas mm. than in Vermont or New Hampshire. As some states adopt vaccinations against okay, yeah. HPV yes. more widely than others, the difference in rates of HPV-linked cervical cancers become more pronounced. And lastly, ensuring equal access yes. to known cancer prevention and early detection methods would go far to accelerate the progress against overall cancer. So we still have to do something about health care disparities. Yes, we do. And for us to get the word out, we're doing as much as we can, but it's important for our people, yeah, our folks, to read and, and, right. and seek knowledge yourself. Be your own advocate. Yes. Be your own advocate. We can't just sit back no. and wait for somebody to no. come and tell us. That's just not going to work. They ain't coming no. to tell us. No, they're not. No. <laughs> they're not. No. So let's do what we need to do. That's important for the churches, too. And it a, is. A lot of the churches, especially our black churches, are starting to, to really have health and wellness. Yeah. Thinking about yeah. that. Again, and not only our churches, but also our barbershops yes. and beauty shops. Yes. You know, again, if the mountain won't come to Mohammed, Mohammed will go to the mountain, as we talked about with Dr. Erzrum when she was here. Yes. And bringing health care, health and wellness places where you find the people. They will be. And they're the not <laughs> going to the doctor's office. You can find them in the barber shop or the beauty shop. In, in a minute, we're going to be going to Popeye's Chicken. Well, <laughs> you might stand out in line and check blood pressures and that person might turn away. You know, so you've got to go to those places yes. where people are. you got to change the paradigm. Yes, that's you what You have it to is. change the paradigm that people are not just going to come to the doctor's office. You'll have to go and seek them out to try to improve health care disparities. Because this article, just 2020. I know. Here we are again, still talking about racial and ethnic disparities, disparities with health care. One thing we can say, based on just within the past decade, we definitely have a lot more health and wellness awareness we do. program yes. for our communities. Mm -hmm. Don't yep, you think? We do. So we now do. the thing is, you know, can we get people to start taking action? Right. You know, they've got the silver sneakers, but you got to get up and get out. you got to take action. You know, right. you just can't continue to be spoon-fed. You've got to be your own advocate. This is exactly And insurance it. companies are getting wind of that, too, by covering mm -hmm. a lot of these yes. programs. Yes. You know, and employers are getting the thing about they have health and wellness programs in their organizations. So. Yes. 
that. They get it. They I think, get, and they benefit from that because a mm-hmm. sick employee being off, you know, or somebody has to have a heart surgery because they're obese or hypertension or whatever or has a stroke, that's costly to them. Right. It makes their stuff go up, it right? It does. So, yes. Yeah. Yes. All right. Our next article, How Muscle Confusion Might Help Your Workouts. Shifting Quicksilver Workouts may yield mental benefits that more rote regimens do not. And this is written in the New York Times. So here are a few questions to consider as you plan your 2020 exercise routines. Are your muscles confused? Should they be? And just how do we confuse our muscles anyway? These concerns are at the heart of a timely new study of what happens when we add variety to our gym workouts and in the process confuse our muscles. The study finds that shifting quick silver workouts can yield some benefits that more rote regimens do not. But the benefits may not be the ones that most of us would expect. Anyone who pays attention to fitness trends or perhaps to politics likely has heard the term muscle confusion. It was invented and popularized in the past decade by the creators of various weight training regimens, particularly P90X. We used to um, do P90X in our classes Uh at Kent, which was a favorite of the former Congressman and Vice Presidential. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, uh, candidate name? Paul Ryan. Yes, mm-hmm. he introduced that. Yes. yes, yes, that was his favorite. Yes, the P90X and similar weight training programs advise participants to alter their routines all the time, threading in different combinations of exercises and rarely if ever repeating any particular workout. The rationale for this inconsistency is that unfamiliar routines should perplex and discombobulate our bodies and muscles and prevent them from settling into a groove or reaching a training plateau. Instead, our muscles supposedly will respond to the unfamiliar demands of the workouts by continuing to adapt. In essence, this theory claims that confused muscles exposed to changing workouts gain more size and strength than complacent muscles cycling through the same routines, even if people are lifting equivalent amounts of weight. That idea has some appeal in many proponents, but little independent scientific backing. For the new study, which was published in December in PLOS1, a group of researchers from Spain and the United States who long have been interested in the impacts and specifics of resistance training decided to try to confuse a few muscles and see what would happen. They began by recruiting 19 healthy young men who already lifted weights, although none were bodybuilders. The researchers wanted volunteers familiar with most weight training exercises and possessed fit muscles. They tested each volunteer's current strength and checked the size of their leg muscles using ultrasound and also asked them to complete an online questionnaire about their interest in and the motivation for exercise. They then divided the volunteers into two groups and sent them to a university gym. There, one group began a standard supervised weight training routine consisting of various upper body and lower body exercises, such as the bench press, deadlift, and leg extension, performed on alternate days for a total of four 
workouts a week. This group performed the same exercises in the same order each week, increasing their weight loads as the lifting grew easier, but not otherwise varying their routine. The other group, though, was provided with a special app for their phones that created a new workout each session picking randomly from a database of 80 possible exercises. This group performed the same number of upper and lower body exercises and lifted approximately the same amount of weight in each session as the other group, but their workouts varied day to day with almost no overlap from one session to the next. These routines continued for eight weeks, after which the men returned to the lab for new tests of their muscles size and strength and a repeat of the online questionnaire about their motivation to work out. The researchers then compared results and found that it is not easy to confuse a muscle. Yes, yes, yes. Mm -mm. That's important. Overall, the men's gains in muscular size and strength were almost exactly the same. That's important. Mm -hmm. Whether they had maintained the same routines or often switched up. There was one notable difference between the groups, however. Those men completing the ever-changing workouts reported feeling more motivated to exercise at the study's end than the other group. What these findings suggest is that muscles are not detoured or bored by unvarying routines, said Brad Schofield, an associate professor of exercise science at Lehman College in New York and a co-author of the study, they adapt to load. That's what we all say. That's the overload mm. principle that we use when we are writing exercise program. And he says, whether that load arise from the same exercise or a different one each time, but minds are not muscles and could be influenced by novelty, he says. The differences in motivation scores at the end were substantial, he says, suggesting that from a purely motivational standpoint, variety matters. And that's what's important. Right. Variety, right? Of course, the study was small, short-term, and involved only fit young men with gym experience. Whether the muscles and minds of women, older people, or anyone new to weight training would respond similarly is uncertain. The study also deliberately looked at polar opposites in its workouts, Dr. Schofield said, from a routine with no variation at all to one that changed every time. He suspects that it's likely that a middle ground in which we swap out one or two familiar exercises for, for new ones might be a reasonable way to help inspire us to return to the gym, even if it never confuses our muscles. Okay, so yes, that was the term that people kept talking about confusing the muscles, and that's mm -hmm. why you would do an exercise, something mm -hmm. new. Mm -hmm. When you look at the science of, of muscle and overload, we call it the overload principle. Mm -hmm. It is your overload. If you're weight training, you know how you start out with a certain exercise routine mm -hmm. and weight and mm -hmm. you start adding mm -hmm. weight over time. Mm -hmm. That's the overload principle mm -hmm. or how long or intensity. This is what causes your muscle strength over time, mm -hmm. right? Your muscle strength and your muscle gain. But having variety as a spice that's really more for your motivation because right, you don't exactly. want to start doing the same. Because everything gets boring. It gets boring. Yeah, it gets boring. 
And yes, you do want to change your exercise regimen as far as adding intensity and and weights and whatever for your right. adaptation. Exactly. Because yes, your body, you know, it's it's a wonderful machine. It, it will is. adapt, it won't will, it? It will adapt and you gotta shake it up. You gotta shake it up. You gotta shake it up. But yeah, the variety, having variety of exercise, what you can do, is really for motivation. Right. So I always recommend people that you stay at your one exercise maybe routine for a week or so and then change it up. Right. Or every other day, you yeah. know. Something different. Something different. Yeah. Yes. Because you can't get bored. Yes. Even if it's the greatest exercise in the world, you just got to change it up. You have to change yeah. it up for adaptation. Yeah. Absolutely. And for keeping you motivated. Yeah. Our last article, D, drinking tea. Drinking tea. So I thought about you. <laughs> Chinese men and women who drank more than three cups of tea a week had a lower risk of heart attack, stroke, and other fatal problems. Drinking tea may be good for your heart, researchers report. This is again from the New York Times. Chinese scientists analyzed data from a continuing health study conducted in 15 provinces since 1998. Mm. The data included a wide range of health and behavioral information on about 100,000 adults involving self-reports of tea consumption. Over an average of follow-up of seven years, there were 3,600 heart attacks, strokes, or other cardiovascular events, 1,400 deaths from cardiovascular disease, and 5,400 deaths from other causes. Compared with people who drank fewer than three cups of tea a week, those who drank more had a 20% reduced risk for a cardiovascular incident, a 22% reduced risk of cardiovascular death, and a 15% reduced risk for all-cause premature death. The study in the European Journal of Preventive Cardiology controlled for many health and behavioral characteristics, including education, smoking, alcohol consumption, blood pressure, and body mass index, BMI. This is an observational study that does not prove cause and effect and the results may not be generalizable to populations outside of China, but tea, especially green tea, is a source of flavonoids yes. that could reduce oxidative stress, relieve inflammation, increase the efficiency of heart muscle cells, and improve the function of the blood vessels, the researchers say. Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of premature death worldwide, the authors write, and tea consumption could reduce the risk for both cardiovascular disease, morbidity, and mortality, as well as all cause mortality. So but there it is. An observational study, interesting, however, may not be able to be extrapolated out of China, but I do think that, you know, even just the observational evidence is compelling. As yes, and there's other research that has shown that, yeah, drinking tea, right. green tea, even black tea now, right. they, they got research out for right. that. Right. It's beneficial, right? the antioxidants and exactly. all that. Mm -hmm. and, and just to make a shameless plug, I've mm -hmm. been asked to give the uh, 300 Sisters in Red talk. Okay. And I'm going to be talking on inflammatory, the chronic inflammation yes. situation in our bodies and the effect yes. of you know, our health and what some of the studies show on mm -hmm. inflammation situations. Yes. So yes. shameless plug. Yeah, good for you. Because yeah, I, was, I was a part of that last year. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yes, they I'm kicking get, it up a notch get, <laughs> this year. They gonna, kicking it up a notch. so funny. Go ahead. I'm, I'm, giving, the, I'm giving the keynote this year. On That's that. awesome. Yeah. Well, D, this is our show. So do you have any? I want to 
want to come back to the sugar thing because I just think that article is so important to reiterate to us how Mm. sugar is just not good for us. Mm -mm. I mean, for a number of reasons, you know, and you don't have to run in and just snatch everything off the counter that has sugar in it. But again, you need to start cutting back, cutting back. And yeah, for women, it's it's just six teaspoons. Six teaspoons. And and men, just nine. So it's not a lot. lot. And, and start reading your labels. You know, that's another thing that I tell people. You know, you, you get all these foods and stuff like that, and they're on the front cover, they're, you know, healthy. And then you on the back, it's 19 grams of sugar. Mm-hmm. So I just, again, I think one of the, for me, overwhelming things that we brought to the audience today is sugar. That's it. And if you if you really want to be heart healthy with the sugar, you're not supposed to add, a, according to the American Heart Association, 25 grams. Can you right. imagine just eating 25 yeah. grams a day? Can you imagine? They are lenient, a little bit lenient if you for overall if you're following the the regular dietary guidelines, and mm-hmm. they're up to 55 grams. Mm-hmm. But if you want to be heart healthy, mm-hmm. take that thing down mm-hmm. to 25 you have grams. To, right. Right. I think it's critical. That's critical. No added stuff, y'all. No. no. And as always, for more information, go to our website, www.vikidofitness.com. And remember, if you have any questions, comments, or just something to say, tweet us, email us, go on Facebook, and share with us your thoughts. You've been listening to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. Vicky Doe is owner of Vicky Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum, a place to discuss, learn, and participate in healthy living. You can get in touch with Vicky by email at info at vickydoefitness.com. <laughs>